For one week and one week only, Trump has taken a backseat to the news cycle, offering perhaps out of character but respectful distance from the conundrum roiling the Senate Judiciary Committee right now. That is, of course, the 36-year-old allegation that Supreme Court Justice nominee Brett Kavanaugh violently attempted to rape a fellow Maryland high school student, Christine Blasey Ford. The claim is extraordinary and wildly disqualifying if true, but that's a big if and one that we'll be debating today. I'm Tiana Lowe. And I'm Avery Hogarth. This is the political pregame. Sit down and have a drink with us as we dissect garbage partisan takes spewing from all sides. You'll need it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Obviously, this week we will be talking about none other than the Brett Kavanaugh allegations, as there honestly hasn't even been anything else to possibly occupy the news lately because there's just been a flurry of stories and outrage from from all sides really there was a last ditch attempt by stormy daniels to get coverage about her book coming out she (laughs) related trump's nether regions to a beloved nintendo character and honestly that was in the news for about two hours and then everyone realized this doesn't matter i don't think i can play mario kart anymore though which kind of sucks stop ruining childhood characters that we love or we blame you stormy or stop trying to be relevant I think that's a big issue. Like, Stormy Daniels is the equivalent to a Gen Z YouTuber, influencer, wannabe, except she's just... She's the Logan Paul 40 or 50 or whatever, and a, and a porn star, but... Oh, my God. Anyways, uh, how about we dive right in? I mean, I definitely want to know your yes. take on um, everything that's gone on in terms of when the hearing will be, how these allegations will be investigated, because I know that on each sides of the aisle, and even within both differing sides there have been differing opinions both from democrats alike and republicans as well so there are three takes god how we love our takes that i sort of want to use as as points of reference for what i think this debate involves i think there is the debate that you and i are most interested in and i think most people of sound political consciences are interested in and that is did this happen Because we believe that if it did happen, it is obviously disqualifying, and we obviously would not want a lifetime appointee to the Supreme Court who is credibly accused, who is credibly demonstrated to have attempted to rape a woman. So that's that's the question number one that I think that most sane people are having is, did it happen? And people differ on that matter, but I think that that is a valid discussion. Then there are two other questions And I'm not even going to phrase the questions themselves rather than just sort of let people's take speak of themselves. On the left, and again, I don't think this represents everyone on the left, but this is a take I've been seeing. This is from Matt Iglesias, I believe, last night. I should perhaps admit that I have some doubt about my ability to judge the Kavanaugh sexual assault charges objectively, since every other aspect of his philosophy, career, circumstances of nomination, and behavior during the confirmation hearings is so awful. So I think that there is this fringe on the left that says, I don't care if it's true because I hate Kavanaugh and I will use any weapon that I can to get rid of him. And then I also think that on the far right, you have Dennis Prager yesterday who came out with the column entitled, the charges against Judge Kavanaugh should be ignored. And his case was that this is not true evil even if he stood true of what he's being accused of, which, again, he has vehemently denied time and time again. 
but I believe that there is a, a section of the right that says, so what if it's true? We don't care. Definitely. And I you think know? those opinions, uh, both the one that you mentioned on the left and the one on the right, are ones that definitely have been circling uh, on Twitter. And one thing I would like to note on that is there are a lot of people who are saying, okay, well, things happen that are out of hand at high school parties. He was 17. Maybe if this was true and this did in fact happen, has gone on, has never done it again, and has lived a great career with a great family and and appears to have good moral character, at least after this incident. So why do we care? Boys will be boys. Kids make mistakes. It's not necessarily, at least in my opinion, it's not necessarily the just solely the incident itself that's disqualifying it's that if this incident did happen and it was true it is the dishonesty after the fact that's disqualifying and that a lot of people are missing here because if this is the case and if these allegations are true which you know given the fact that it was so long ago and the lack of witnesses we may never know if they're true or not um but if it is true and he has denied it so categorically so publicly just you know obviously to try to secure this nomination then those grounds are arguably makes make more of a case to uh to not appoint him but again you cannot level the perjury charge against him if we cannot ascertain whether or not and again the standard that i've been using um people have been asking how are you judging these claims in the court of public opinion like this which does in fact exist and matters because especially red state Democrats will be voted on by their constituents in the midterms. I believe that the court of public opinion matters in this case, because I don't think people want their senators to vote for or against someone that they think did the right or the wrong thing. I've been using a preponderance of evidence standard. So is it more likely than not that Kavanaugh is guilty? So let's look at the evidence right now. So the Washington Post report that came out over the weekend was the first time in which you had the um, accuser on the record. And Blasey Ford alleges that when she was at a party during high school over the summer, she was in a she was coming from a hallway from the bathroom and Kavanaugh and his friend Mark Judge, who both have gone on the record categorically denying that not only did these events ever happen, but that this party ever occurred, that they seized her from the hallway, threw her into a room, locked the door, threw her on the bed, Kavanaugh got on top of her, pinned her down, and muffled his screams with her hand while Judge looked on. So I think I'm willing to extend the thinnest benefits of the doubt to people who don't understand the severity of the allegation i think especially men who have never been in this position and would not ever do this to someone else are i think that some are trying to equate this with with a bad pass or with a miscommunication when clearly this is not these are a lot of steps and honestly the severity of the allegation is in part what makes me believe it less only because I think that someone who has the coldness and the calculation to seize a 15-year-old girl, lock her in a room, throw her on a bed, attempt to rape her, and stifle her screams, I don't think they would do that just once. So again, it's the reason why I've said that even though, as the evidence stands, I am so inclined to believe Kavanaugh, 
if, more, if, if another person said, oh, he did this to me too, or if another person said, oh, he would get blackout drunk and become really aggressive. I never saw him do this to anyone, but it, but it makes sense. It would be different. But right now, people are pointing towards Mark Judge's memoirs in which he talks about struggling with alcoholism as a point against Kavanaugh. But I think the, the more telling thing is that no one has come around about Kavanaugh saying, oh, he demonstrated some signs of alcoholism like in high school. Which I think would matter in this case because he would then become an unreliable narrator. But right now you have two of his ex-girlfriends from high school saying that he was always respectful, never exhibited any sort of signs of this irresponsibility. Um, And with regards to evidence that that Blasey Ford is referencing, she has notes from her therapist from 2012 that confirm that confirmed that she relayed an assault did happen in marriage counseling when she was seeing a therapist six years six years ago. So she said that an assault happened in high school. The therapist notes say that it involved four boys. Blasey Ford says that this was a misunderstanding. There were four boys at the party, two of whom were Kavanaugh and Judge who were in the room, two of whom were not in the room. And you have testimony from her husband. That was what came out in the original WAPO report. She also, there was a contradiction between the WAPO report and the letter that she sent to Senator Dianne Feinstein. So the letter that she sent to Senator Feinstein said that there were six people in total at the party. The WAPO report said that there were five people in total at the party. So these, so right now we have either five or six people who can give witness testimonies or can speak to the media about what happened. You have Blasey Ford who says that this happened. You have Kavanaugh and Judge who say that this absolutely did not happen. And CNN reported two evenings ago that this did not happen. Um, or that they never attended a party that where anything like this happened. And that witness's name is Patrick J. Smith. And he uh, gave a statement to CNN. So that's what we're working with. So Avery, how do you feel about this evidence? Well, so there's a lot of troubling aspects that I think are encouraging to one side of the argument and also discouraging to another side, um, flip-flopping. So when understanding the evidence at play, I think the tough thing is, and when determining preponderance of evidence, is that it's also all circumstantial and all in the eye of the beholder. It's all how you interpret it, all what your opinion is. Because for me personally, when looking at the fact that this would have been potentially a one-off offense for Kavanaugh and he could have never done it again. Uh, Most people look at that and say, well, that's what leads me to believe that maybe he didn't do it like yourself. But for me, I don't think that you have to have repeated behavior to have one night where, especially for boys, I've been in the situation in high, like I've partied in high school, have been around plenty of jock athlete type boys where you know guys want to be able to impress their friends they want to be able to get the girl it doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad people but also people make stupid decisions when they're drunk and also when they're drunk in high school so whether this is more of a me too moment against Kavanaugh or not where other accusers come forward or if no one else comes forward for me I don't weigh a ton of weight in that I guess I would say I don't put a lot of weight to those claims because I don't believe that necessarily you have to have repeated behavior to have 
one bad incident and make a bad decision and do something horrible one time. That's just my interpretation of it personally. And again, also what's troubling with the evidence is that there are a ton of partisan factors in play. A lot of people are saying that with uh, Dr. Blasey Ford's allegations, you know, obviously she's been a registered Democrat, hardcore progressive. That's obviously probably coming into play with her writing the letter to Feinstein. People are saying that. But then on the other hand, with the witness that she named, Mark Judge, he also is very partisan as well in an article with the Daily Caller in 20. Uh, when was it? In 2013, he wrote a piece basically calling um, former President Barack Obama um, a woman and saying that Michelle Obama actually is more of a man than he is, blah, blah, blah. So he obviously has some partisan incentive too. So if you're going to recognize it on the one side with Blasey Ford, you have to also recognize it on the one side with the only other witness that was named, especially because He's written books outlining the drinking culture at Georgetown Prep throughout high school and how he doesn't even know how the kids could get away with what they, what he did in high school, blah, blah, blah. And then he also writes a piece in 2015 about what he calls damseling and the quote from it um, in which he describes damseling as, quote, making a woman a passive damsel in distress who needs rescuing. He goes on to say, Of course, a man must be able to read a woman's signals, and it's a good thing that feminism is teaching young men that no means no and yes means yes. But there's also the ambiguous middle ground, where the woman seems interested and indicates, whether verbally or not, that the man needs to prove himself to her, and that if that man is any kind of a man, he'll allow himself to feel the awesome power, the wonderful beauty of uncontrollable male passion. I just think that speaks to potentially Mark Judge's psychological and partisan incentives in categorically denying this if this did happen so there's a lot of plausible deniability on both sides can i make so just as two really quick responses to that all right so one uh i think we should also point out that that their social network was they were all the children of other dc area judges lots of politicians lots of people in politics this is they all grew up in an area very close to washington dc so it kind of makes sense it makes it makes a lot of sense that that Blasey Ford would be a passionate progressive, and it makes sense that Mark Judge would be in politics, and Kavanaugh would be. A, they came from an from an ecosystem where politics was ingrained at a very young age, which again is difficult because it means that everyone has motivations that are not just personal. But secondly, so you cite that specific excerpt from Judge. If Kavanaugh stood accused of having date raped a girl where there was an initial consent to some sort of intimacy that did not include sex and it was taken too far and it was a clear form of date rape but date rape nonetheless not to say it's any less egregious but where it began with consent and then a retraction of consent I would say it would be more realistic but again she was walking from a bathroom to return to a party at 15 years old so it's not as though her allegation is that there was any sort of misunderstanding. She was completely taken aback in this allegation. So I just think that of all like the drunk, inappropriate men that I think all women in high school saw at parties, there's a gradation. You know, there are the guys who try to make out with everyone. There are the guys who are perfect gentlemen. There are the guys who, you know, are a little bit creepy. And then there are the bad guys. 
there's maybe one or two of them per grade. I think that the bad guy behavior winds up getting confirmed in some way throughout adulthood. And this is just such heinous behavior, and it's why I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into the Dennis Prigger piece eventually. But just to understate the severity of the allegation, and what if potentially if, if Kavanaugh does not make it to the bench, what he will be branded with for the rest of his life, and he's not very old, he's 53, he's in his early 50s, what he will be branded as accused of doing is so heinous and is so despicable that it is telling that he is willing to go under oath to deny it. And again, it remains to be seen what he actually says when he's under oath. If he pussyfoots around it and says, I don't recall, I, I have no memory of this, I don't recall, then I think that we're in a lot worse territory in terms of defending it. And again, I, I feel the need to also point out, and I believe that I said this last week, I have no personal allegiance towards Brett Kavanaugh. I think that there are other people on Trump's nominee list or his prospective nominee list whose judicial philosophies I align with much more closely. I I would have preferred an Amy Coney Barrett or an Amul Thapar, especially on civil liberties for Thapar. Then I would have Kavanaugh, who is a very mainstream Bush-era conservative justice. But I think that the precedent of branding a potentially innocent man with the label of attempted rapist, which in my book is as bad as an actual rapist, if we do not actually think there is a greater than likely chance that he did it, it's a dangerous precedent. Well, that's why on both sides, that's why I'm in favor of an FBI investigation and why... I don't necessarily understand why it's partisan to not be in favor of one. Because why wouldn't, if if you want to clear his name and put him on the court without any gray area like there was with Clarence Thomas, if you want to do that, why not go through the FBI investigation and say, hey, we interviewed Mark Judge under oath. He would, ha- would have had to commit perjury if he was lying. But that would be done in a, and, in a congressional hearing, or in a senatorial hearing. But as of now... You'd be under oath. As of now in the hearing... Of perjuring yourself. As of now in the hearing, it's only Kavanaugh and Blasey Ford. Because so, Judge said that he has nothing new to contribute to it. Because judge, if, judge, if Judge says, I have no recollection of being at this party, then, then they, they, there's nothing to be gained. But it's still important to question him under oath rather than going off of what he said on the record in a published news piece because obviously going under oath being cross-examined holds a lot more weight than anything you can say opp- in the real world. I'm not opposed to that. I'm, I'm not opposed to to getting as many testimonies as possible and to putting as many people under oath as possible. That doesn't, like, I'm really not opposed to that. If Republicans want to, if the Senate Judiciary Committee specifically wants to add more people to the docket to question, I'm really not opposed to that. I think sunlight is the best disinfectant. The thing about an FBI investigation, you're talking about a 36-year-old claim that has no material evidence, paper-thin circumstantial evidence at best, and the first witness you have to Blasey Ford's own complaints being in 2012. How do we evaluate a, a, a credible rape allegation to a standard that is preponderance of evidence. I, I keep on saying people in my mentions are very angry at me on Twitter for saying that I don't believe that everyone is entitled to due process and beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's because that's unrealistic. I'm not 
a criminal prosecutor. I am not looking for beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm looking for what would a reasonable person think about these allegations. The difficulty is that in almost all of these Me Too cases, you have at least one person, one contemporaneous witness who said, oh yeah, this person came to me and said that they were really disturbed by this person's behavior. Or at the very least, you have someone saying, they never said anything, but after that they were acting really weird. They were really upset over something. And that doesn't mean that Blasey Ford wasn't the victim of anything. For all, I'm going to sound like I'm putting my tinfoil hat on right here. For all intents and purposes, I think that she, I think that there was a high school era assault. I don't think that you tell that to a therapist when you are lying. But given Kavanaugh's track record, consistent denial of it, Judge's consistent denial of it, Patrick J. Smith's consistent denial of this party, I th- my working hypothesis is that I'm actually I'm not going to phrase it as a hypothesis. I think that it is clear that that Blasey Ford was the legitimate victim of some sort of assault that occurred in high school. I do not think that it was Kavanaugh who did it. But at the same time, just to play devil's advocate here, what incentive if Kavanaugh did do it? And maybe honestly, he doesn't remember. A lot of guys get blacked out at high school parties don't remember anything, go on with their lives. That's also another aspect that can be completely plausible as well. But if he did do it, what incentive does he have now that it's public and now that he's about, he is on the precipice of being nominated to the Supreme Court, the highest honor in his career where he will serve for life, what incentive does he have, especially based off of such circumstantial evidence? What incentive does he have to own up to it? Because honestly, if I were him, and yes, you can claim, well, people on the court need to have this, you know, moral decency, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, if I was him and I didn't fully remember it and whatever, of course I'd be categorically denying this and hoping that no evidence came out because probably, honestly, what evidence do they have to work with? I think, okay, so the difficulty, not even the difficulty, if I... If you are a judge and one of the greatest judges in the country, one who is being considered for the Supreme Court, I don't think you'd be so dumb as to put yourself in a bind where you have to deny something under oath. He's willing to go under oath. And again, if he goes under oath and if he just says, oh, I have no recollection, I don't recall, I have no memory of this, then that's a different story. Well, then he's going to look a lot more guilty. Like his performance is very contingent on Monday or whenever the hearing will be. But as it stands, I don't think that you put yourself in that sort of bind. Also, consider that he has been through six background checks for various federal judicial appointments. And I bring that up because let's say you were Kavanaugh and let's say hypothetically this did happen. You work with when after a certain point, you have a PR team, you have a legal team, you have a consultant, you have someone who is who is who is helping you with your strategy. You would go to them honestly in the same way, like whenever criminal defense attorneys will sit down with their client with no one else in the room and ask, I need to know if you did it. I think that a similar effect is occurring when you're trying to continually acquire these lifetime appointments. I think if I were consulting Kavanaugh and if Kavanaugh were smart and Kavanaugh said, you know what, there's a period in high school where I think I was kind of aggressive and I think I probably had like too much to drink at many parties and I don't know if someone's going to come out and say something later. Then wouldn't a good... 
council PR team representative say, okay, then you know what you do? You come out with a redemption narrative. You say, I was too close to the bottle in high school. Sobriety saved my life. I went to AA. We all make mistakes. I believe in redemption, the power of Christ and forgiveness, yada, yada, yada. You don't build your entire image around being a good guy, which is what Kavanaugh's largely is. But what if you don't realize what you did was wrong? What if you don't realize what you were doing was wrong? And that's also a big psychological difference to note from the era of 20, 30 years ago to the time we're living in now, which, thank God, people are more cognizant of their actions and behavior. True, true. I I just think, again, if what he was accused of was a little more in the date rape category and not in the straight-up seizing a girl from a hallway category, which might add, still both equally morally reprehensible, but one where I think gives someone a little bit more of an internal cover psychologically – you're talking about taking someone who had no expectation of this happening. This is close. This is close to an in cold blood rape attempt as you can get. Just the difference being that they were of the same socioeconomic strata, apparently at a party. But how is that very different than seizing a girl off of an alley and attempting to rape her? Yeah, well, you know? I, I guess just in my opinion, I just don't see there to be. I, I mean, I already said this, but I just don't see there to be much incentive for him to even admit the smallest amount of oh, yeah, like, I did party a lot in high school. It's possible that blah, blah, blah. Because either way, if he admits to it or if he's found guilty, he's disgraced and he's not getting that title. Well, I mean, he's he not can't appointed. admit to anything now. I know, but I'm, I'm just saying, in terms of when he was deciding, like, say if this was true, if he had to make the decision, oh, am I going to come clean or give a half-truth or am I just going to categorically deny it? Regardless, it's a lose-lose. So I think... If you're a betting man, you go, okay, well, this is an allegation from 36 years ago. The witness was one of my best buddies in high school who is a hardcore Republican. Let's see where this goes. But and that's just to, to play devil's advocate. So where, where I disagree with you in terms of pure strategy, again, I think like this is funny because it's more of a strategy debate than like a political one because um, I think that our politics are pretty aligned when it comes to like these questions of justice. I think that if you're Kavanaugh, so the counterpoint I would make is if you're Kavanaugh, you're you, – until he he swears or he thought that until um <laughs> until the Washington Post report came out he had no idea who his accuser was let's say he was lying if he knew what she was talking about and if she and if her version of events are true exactly as they're written you still have other people at that party who could later come and turn on you so right now you have smith and judge who are saying no but you have two to three more people who could come and say, oh, no, that party happened, and Brett got really shit-faced. Which is why I feel as though the FBI should investigate. The difficult, again, like, I think that everyone, I mean, I think right now reporters are doing the work of, like, the FBI. The problem is there's a very few verified, this is not the FBI's job, number one. Number two, they already have looked into Kavanaugh's background, and there's nothing that they find that's worthy of investigating. I think that the the Senate Judiciary Committee, my understanding is that they have gone through every single attempt to put Kavanaugh under oath to make it so that way if he lies and if there's any evidence that he's lying, he's perjuring himself and guilty of a felony and to get other people to testify. And this is something where journalists have really been, some journalists have really been doing their jobs in terms of trying to find everyone at that party. So I guess what I'm saying is that other Me Too cases, you saw this in the Aziz Ansari story, you saw this in a couple of other stories where people say, even Harvey Weinstein made the argument, Oh, we hooked up, but it was totally consensual. There, Kavanaugh could have come out and said, oh, yeah, there was roughhousing. Or, oh, yeah, like, we had hooked up, but then we stopped. She's making it up that she said no. But you don't have that here. 
you have a categorical denial. And he's about to go under the risk of perjuring himself if he's lying about this under oath. I just don't understand how it wouldn't be the FBI's job to investigate when, given the Anita Hill claims, which very similar situation in 1991. Because she gave dates and times and places. Uh, Blasey Ford isn't even saying she doesn't know whose house it was, how she got there, the month or the year even with certainty. How can you investigate something? Because if this, if, if she by, said... By talking to the other people that were at the party, I mean, there's already, there was the claim that, or there was someone from their high school, Georgetown Prep, that released the yearbook to a reporter at CNN. And so, obviously, there's people who were connected to either Blasey Ford, to Kavanaugh, or to Judge, who can come forward and speak to their character in high school, can speak to experiences that they had with them. And I think those are very important things to investigate. Yes, it's rather ambiguous in terms of timeline, being able to trace it back to a specific date, but it would provide good character references and understanding have these actions occurred before potentially blah 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 whatever but with the anita hill case it was investigated it took three days i don't think with having six weeks until november midterms i don't think that's a huge sacrifice I mean, to I make i think that there is and a then, baseline criteria for what tw- evidence over 12 witnesses needs. were cross-examined and were um under oath under review with the senate judiciary committee i mean i mean anita hill gave dates times places witnesses phone records anita hill had evidence and like we're not even going to get into the anita hill debate the point is she gave them verifiable evidence that they could investigate the fbi i mean i'm i'm not going to pretend to understand the intricacies of what the exact legal bar for the fbi investigating is however i think that they've made it clear that the FBI is a nonpartisan body of justice. As much as Trump likes to say it's Democratic deep state operatives, it's not. The FBI just must clear a specific bar of evidence that they are capable of investigating. And this is very difficult because you don't know whose house it was at. You don't even know the date. You don't know the time. You don't know the location. Right? We're going off of one woman's memory because Judge Smith and Kavanaugh all say this party never even happened. And... Furthermore, I think another difficulty of all of this, and this speaks in no way to, for- to Blasey Ford's credibility, she came forward in July. That was ample time for the committee to have been investigating this in this non-insane breakneck speedway, in which I'm honestly kind of impressed how much the Senate Judiciary Committee has committed to being open about this investigation. But Dianne Feinstein, who I think is the real loser in all of this, has been sat on Blasey Ford's letter for two months. She had the opportunity to question Kavanaugh under oath, both in open and closed hearings. All right, so let's consider there are two possible circumstances. One is that Feinstein didn't find Blasey Ford to be credible and then realized that this was a good political opportunity and thought that she was just going to leak this letter at the last minute and that it would torpedo Kavanaugh's nomination after the hearings. That's option number one. That's deeply cynical. Option number two, which is also almost as bad, is that Feinstein did believe Blasey Ford, but still thought that there was an opportunity to torpedo the nomination. Because if if Feinstein had questioned Kavanaugh under oath in closed hearings, that would have been confidential record. That would not have been leaked to the press. 
he, she could have said, look, I have it under authority that these allegations are being made against you. I want you to tell me right now. You don't have time to prepare with your attorneys. I'm telling you right now on the spot. Were you at this party? Do you know this woman? Did you assault this woman? He would have been taken aback and he would have been either forced to tell the truth or tell a very bad lie. Instead, Feinstein, I mean, I really don't know how you could possibly fuck up a rape allegation worse than Diane Feinstein did, which is hear about it, sit in it for two months after you had the opportunity to question Kavanaugh under oath, which would have prevented Blasey Ford's name from ever being leaked to the press. Which because, is unfortunate. Because which is she's deeply unfortunate. Death threats can't even be home. Which is unacceptable, obviously. Like, even if you think that she is the lyingest liar of all time, do not issue death threats or dox this woman. She has children, she has a family, and if she is, God forbid, telling the truth, she does not deserve it. I mean, no one deserves to receive death threats. No one. Especially because, at the very least, a good point that you mentioned is, regardless of if it's true that it was Kavanaugh or not, I think you and I are both clear in that we yeah. believe that something did happen to her and whether she got the person wrong or not that's another story but again i just don't think she should no. be uh treated in this manner no and i just think that feinstein feinstein is the biggest loser in all of this i'm voting for kevin daly on come november she'll, she'll still get reelected. i know but like i i want i want her to feel it I want her to feel the hurt, if only because this isn't bad political behavior. This is bad moral behavior. Because again, if she thought that if she thought that Blasey Ford was incredible, then she shouldn't have leaked it at the last minute just to torpedo Kavanaugh's nomination. But even worse, if she did think Blasey Ford was credible and still subjected her to this, this could have all been avoided. Blasey Ford's name could have never made it out if at the beginning of closed questioning. If Feinstein questioned Kavanaugh about it, raised the point to Republicans, said you guys need to switch out the nomination, Republicans could have overnight switched out the nomination. Yeah, I do agree that that would have been potentially even a better strategy. If you didn't want Kavanaugh, you know, that would have been that would have been the way to go. Just Uh, because right now everyone lost in this. Kavanaugh got smeared. Blasey Ford's getting death threats. It's, I mean, the only one who thinks that she's winning is Diane Feinstein, although, honestly, she just looks like a giant moron who has well, no respect for for rape allegations. I think potentially the only saving grace for Democrats is that this blunder, if you want to call it that, fell more so on Feinstein than I think it did on the yeah. Democratic Party. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if other Democrats didn't know about this, what were they what, supposed to do? What else were they supposed to right? do? Right? So I think it it's tough. I, I just don't think that the democrats as a whole should be getting heat for this i think it's more of a fine time play unless and again this is also a theory and i'm not going to attest to this yet unless if this was a ploy to give red state democrats up for re-election cover to vote no you already see mccaskill voted no um i'm sure that we'll see other quote-unquote gettable votes proclaiming that they're going to vote no on kavanaugh but the thing is that so right now this hearing is tentatively scheduled for monday uh, Chairman Grassley told Blasey Ford that she has until 10 a.m. tomorrow Eastern time to file her documents if she is going to come on Monday. Although I think that as we're recording this podcast, there are more details being negotiated that I'm sure we'll be updating you later about on Twitter. Yeah, but- she uh, she did say she got back to them and said she's prepared to do a hearing next week, prepared to testify, but just not on Monday because she wants the terms to be fair and everything to be prepped which honestly i think is fair and if republicans don't go for that i find find that quite ridiculous ridiculous what's the difference of a day or two or three i think i think so i know we were discussing this briefly before the podcast i would say if there is a legitimate reason she cannot make it on monday 
and she can commit to a day next week, I say the Republicans should postpone it, if anything, to demonstrate good faith. But this 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 wait and see approach, this let's just extend it one more week, let's just extend it one more week, maybe we can make it to the midterms and then maybe we can finally get Justice Merrick Garland. That's the thing that I think is unacceptable. For once in American politics, I align with Susan Collins on almost everything. Susan Collins put out in terms of her request for the hearing, she said, I'm writing to the chairman of the uh, Judiciary Committee respectfully recommending that at Monday's hearing, counsel for Professor Ford be allocated time to question Judge Kavanaugh and counsel for Judge Kavanaugh be granted equal time to question Professor Ford, followed by questions from senators. I fully agree with this. I think if you want to have outside, independent, nonpartisan uh, legal counsel questioning, I have no problem with that either. But Senator Collins is proposing this extremely sensible format and that i think is fair i don't think god what did uh senator Maisie hirono say when she said oh this will re-victimize her okay obviously it's traumatic to talk about a sexual assault it is much more traumatic to talk about a sexual assault on live television however the senate judiciary committee has often to do an open hearing in dc a closed hearing in dc or have senate judiciary staffers fly out to california to interview Blasey Ford in private. So really anything that she wants can go there being as accommodating as possible. And again, I understand if there's literally something on Monday, a surgery, whatever. But I think that there just needs to be a hard and fast deadline because after a certain point, as Senator Collins is saying, and I think as as a lot of these senators who 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 were a lot more Trump-tepid and a lot less we're going to push the Trump agenda, like Jeff Flake of all people are saying, if she doesn't show up, if she makes no commitment to show up and tell her truth, her truth you know that they should just schedule the vote yeah because because i just think as again if they give a hearing and if it becomes extremely true that she can provide specifics and kavanaugh looks like he's lying through his teeth and if there's any shred of evidence that comes out that shows that he was lying about oh this party actually did happen why did you lie about being there then by all means i think that gives ample cover for susan collins and lisa murkowski and jeff flake to not vote for her but if nothing else comes out, I don't think you torpedo a man's not only like this this one nomination that I think is quite extraordinary. You know, like I no one is entitled to be a Supreme Court justice, but I don't think you brand them as a as a rapist if the person who gave the allegation isn't even willing to put herself under oath. This is I will say this is extraordinary in terms of the fact this is the closest thing to justice anyone with a thirty six year old rape claim will ever get. Well, the sense that I got from her comments to the Senate Judiciary Committee Committee and how she's carried herself thus far is that she does intend to go under oath. Obviously, it's just making sure that, one, she has time, she and her counsel have time to prep, because if they are cross-examining, yeah. her counsel needs ample time to prep. And it's also important to note that Brett Kavanaugh and the Senate Judiciary Committee probably have far greater resources than Christine Blasey Ford, who's a professor Agreed. at Stanford, in terms of being able to mobilize a group of legal staff to comprise... And now also every Democratic interest group in the country is probably sending over their best legal counsel. But same thing with everything for Kavanaugh, True. too. yeah. So that has to be noted as well. So I think it's important that she goes under oath. I think it, there's no doubt that she will. Um, however, if she does need the first two days of next week to be able to get proper everything, all her ducks in a row, get proper evidence. Because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that this trial, as you could kind of call it, is as fair as possible. And yes. I think to do that, people need sufficient preparation as well. And Agreed. so I don't think we should rush to summary judgments when 
it's important to have all the facts aired out. Um, just as important it is for Christine Blasey Ford in terms of seeking her justice, it's also important to have all the facts aired out so that if there are no credible claims and it is all aired out, that Judge Kavanaugh's name can be fully and truthfully cleared as well. Yeah. So I think from the Republican side of things, I think as much as with Blasey Ford kind of delaying these hearings, um, which I believe are to be able to prep properly and have um, everything running smoothly, as much as that is kind of causing people to waver in their support of her because it is, especially with how it's getting spun, it is making her look like, oh, she doesn't want to testify. I don't necessarily believe that to be the case. But at the same time, with the Republicans rushing this, it's also making Republicans look like they don't want the actual truth. So I think both sides have to be willing to compromise and understand the fact that this is a historic hearing and that everything does need to be carried out in a proper manner. Which is why if I were advising Republicans, I would say just make it clear you are willing to work within reason in terms of being accommodating, but you just have to acquire a hard and fast deadline and, and to which that if you do not find any new evidence, you schedule a vote. If I were giving advice <laughs> to Democrats, I would say, well, already Diane Feinstein you can blame for screwing the pooch so hard on this one. If Blasey Ford is telling the truth, have her come forward, tell the whole damning truth, do not play politics with this. Because this is not about a political vote. This is about we have someone accused of a heinous crime a vote away from a lifetime nomination to the highest court in the land if you legitimately think that he's guilty do not play politics with it do not wield it as a sword to get revenge on merrick garland that is cheap you do not turn a rape allegation into a political minefield unfortunately i think that both sides are guilty of doing this again as we already alluded to with the prager column i think that this this sort of moral degeneracy and debasing ourselves saying that we don't actually care that much about whether or not a rape allegation is true because does it even matter it's pathetic and it's disgusting and we as a country should be better than that yeah and everyone but, who says that yeah. needs to be quiet and it goes on to discredit absolutely everything. yeah and, and honestly if anything if anything if kavanaugh is innocent which again i would say i believe he is more likely innocent than not and if i were senator and if i had to vote right now i'd vote to confirm him after the hearing we'll see if I were Kavanaugh and if I were innocent, I would be so freaking radicalized right now in terms of fuck these people saying if I did it because I didn't do it and fuck these people who are willing to brand me as a rapist with no evidence forever. And I would go hardline for the truth for the rest of my tenure as a Supreme Court justice nominee or as a Supreme Court justice. Well, also the issue is I hope he doesn't blame this strictly on just democrats and i hope as i said before that it is it does come down to more so just being feinstein handling this improperly because the thing is if we were concerned if democrats i know that obviously it shouldn't come into play when making um judgments but if we as democrats were concerned about his ability to uphold roe v wade beforehand and if he is like wow screw all these freaking democrats now I don't think I have more faith in him to uphold that legislation at all, um, just as another aside, I guess. Yeah. In any case, I think everyone who's preparing their takes right now should hold off for a moment, see when this hearing is going to happen, and I think reserve a lot of judgment until then, until more evidence comes out. Exactly. I mean, I think the thing that's been most nauseating with checking the news this week and on Twitter is 
everyone is just inserting their opinion into this debate and making assumptions that frankly aren't true and we don't know what's happening yet yes a hearing's been proposed we don't know the exact specific details we don't know the internal communications between the senate judiciary committee and um christine blasey's ford's council and everything else and so people need to stop making assumptions this hearing will be had it has to be it has to be done we know that so i think everyone needs to just be quiet with all of this twitter outrage and just see what comes of this yeah because right now it's it's doing everyone a disservice it doesn't look good for either side or the individual themselves. And so let's just wait and see. I think the last thing we need is more assumptions pouring into this and more opinions and, and everything. Exactly. I fully agree. And uh, on that note, I'm sure that we'll try and schedule a podcast for the evening following the hearing. Right now it looks like it, it might be Monday. We'll Again, keep you we don't know. <laughs> we will keep you posted. Uh, in that case everyone have a good thursday do not let the news drive you too crazy and uh don't let stormy daniels ruin mario kart for you don't let her be relevant either (laughs) anyways uh thank you as always you can follow us on twitter at tiana the first at avery hogarth check us out at the politicalpregame.com and uh you can follow us leave us a comment subscribe like whatever you would prefer on soundcloud and itunes thank you very much (laughs) 